chapter 8 in your Bibles this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'll say to you what I said in Sunday school this morning, but you can't tell anybody, all right? But uh, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that this is my favorite church that we've been to on deputation. We've been in over 130 churches uh, while we have been raising our support, getting ready to go plant a church in Southern California. And I really mean that. I'm not just saying it. I've never said that at another church, but I'm saying it this morning. I've said it to my wife, I believe. Um, but this is a great church. And I'm telling you, I have enjoyed it this morning. And I, I tell you what, uh, I was thinking as the choir was singing, you know, the Bible talks about uh, back in the book of Genesis about Bethel, the house of God. But then it talks about El Bethel, the God of the house. And I like, you know, I was sitting on that second, third pew, and I was thinking about how much I love this church. And then the choir got up to sing, and I started thinking about how much I love the God of this church. And uh, we serve an awesome God this morning. And I'm telling you, we have a great message to share. It's a great day to be alive. And I tell you what, 2017 may seem dark, but I'm telling you, uh, we serve an awesome God. And I believe with all of my heart this morning that great days are ahead for this church. I'm excited about your theme. I believe God's going to do a great work through you this year. I love your pastor, and I hope you'll get behind him, support him. And I look forward to hearing great things of what God has done here at Solid Rock Baptist Church. It's a joy and a privilege for us to be here. Thankful for my wife, Amber, and our two girls that are with me today. Taylor, she's six, and then Mason, she'll turn two tomorrow. And I'm so thankful that they're here with us. But I don't want to waste a whole lot of time. I want to jump right into the text this morning. And I'm going to preach a message this morning that I believe God would, would, would have for us today. Second Corinthians chapter 8. And let's stand together, give you an opportunity to stretch your legs there. And we'll uh, read a few verses of Scripture. I would say this is a classic passage when we're talking about missions, specifically faith promise missions. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I, I'm not going to use this as my primary text uh, generally speaking, I'm an ex- expositional style of a preacher, meaning I'll take one text and try to go down through that. Nine times out of ten, if you hear me preach, you're going to hear me preach that style of a message. Uh, today's message is going to be just a little different, but it'll still be right out of the Scripture. And I believe God's going to use it in your life to be a challenge and an encouragement. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse number 1. The Bible here uh, says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, please mark those words, how that in a great trial of their abundance, excuse me, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints." And this they did, not as we had hoped, notice verse, this, this verse 5, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You can be seated tonight or this morning. I believe it would be accurate to say that the churches of Macedonia were model churches in the New Testament times. We think about churches like Corinth, uh, the church at Corinth definitely would not consider the church at Corinth to be a model church. In fact, your pastors preached on that, I'm sure, many times. Many, many issues in the church at Corinth. And Paul had to write to them, and he had to correct, especially in the first epistle to the Corinthians, he had to correct many issues, many errors that were abounding in the church at Corinth. But 
Paul even uses the churches of Macedonia as an example, as a model church, if you will, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, we do you to wit. In other words, uh, he, he says, we do you to witness. We want you to take note of these churches in Macedonia and the work that they are doing. And I want to take just a moment, I want us to go back into the book of Acts, and I want us to pinpoint these churches here in the, book, uh, in the book of Acts, the churches of Macedonia. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter number 16, and I want to give you a quick introduction, and then we'll jump right into the body of the message today. Acts chapter number 16, as you turn to this passage, let me remind you that Paul has been uh, serving the Lord alongside of Barnabas, and they have went out, planted many churches there in that region, and they had come back to the church of Antioch, and now God has called them to go back out and to confirm the churches that they had started. Well, you know the story that during that trip, the Bible says that uh, Paul sees a vision of a man in Macedonia. This is an entirely new region. The gospel had not yet made it to the Macedonian region. And now Paul is going to go from his hometown, if you will, and he's going to move away from that area there into a new region with the gospel. Notice, first of all, the prayer for this church. Look at Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9. Paul, along with Silas here, the Bible says, "...in a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Uh, God gives, I believe this with all of my heart, that God gives every man a certain amount of gospel light. And the Bible teaches us that God has revealed Himself very clearly to mankind. And I wrote these in my notes this morning. God has revealed Himself to every man through our surroundings. You go outside and look around. You see the harmony of our universe. You look at our human body and see the harmony that is in our human body. And it screams out loudly that there is a God. I mean, everywhere we look, we see evidence. Of, a, of an all-powerful God. But God has also revealed Himself through our subconscious. God has placed within the heart of every man. I believe with all of my heart that God has put it in the heart of every man. That there is a God. That there is a Creator. That we are not the product of evolution, but rather that we have a, uh, we have a designer. We have a, a powerful Creator who created us and the world around us. But then God reveals Himself through the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. God became flesh and His name was Jesus Christ and He came to this earth and revealed Himself to mankind and went to a cross, friends, and He went to that cross and took the sin of mankind upon Himself. There died upon the cross a cruel death. He gave His life on the cross, but then He was buried and He rose again. But then God also has revealed Himself through the Scriptures. I believe with all of my heart that God knew that in this region called Macedonia that there was a person who was seeking to know Him in a deeper way. In fact, we're going to notice now the planting of the church. Look at verse number 10. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 10. And after He had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. We noticed, first of all, the prayer for this church. Secondly, we see here the planting of this church. Notice the word in verse number 10, endeavor. It means to plan out. Think about it. Paul had to totally change the plans of his trip and travel 285 miles across the Aegean Sea. This was not the area that Paul had in mind, may I remind you. Yet he went against his will and did what God wanted him to do. Look at verse number 12, Acts 16 verse 12. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to 
Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi. So now Paul has made it into this region called Macedonia. And we know the story here about how Paul goes and finds a lady by the name of Lydia. The Bible says she was a lady who worshipped God. Paul went down by the river and met her. And the Bible says that Lydia was saved by the grace of God. And Lydia was baptized and her family was saved and baptized. And the church was established. I'm thankful for the power of the gospel in 2017. I'm here to tell you, I realize this is an established church, but may we never stray from the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what will change this community. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what will change this state. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what will change this country for the glory of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what will save every man and woman who will come to God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We see here a church that is planted by the grace of God upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then we notice here the persecution of this church. Look at verse number 16, if you would. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 16, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought much, uh, her masters much gain by soothsayings. You know the story. The Bible says Paul, of course, uh, cast this demon out. Look at verse number 19. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they called Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates teaching, saying, these men being, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our cities. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. Look what happens. And the magistrates, magistrates rent off their clothes, or ripped off their clothes, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast. In the stocks. Please stay with me this morning. This was a very difficult place for Paul and Silas to start a church. In fact, it would, at that time, it would have been the, known as the miniature Rome of the day. The Romans were brutal people. Anyone who did not pledge their complete allegiance to Caesar, uh, was met with fierce oppositions. Listen to what I'm about to say. 200,000 crucifixions lined the highways with their crosses as billboards to warn any who would dare oppose Caesar. For Paul and Silas to come into Philippi and to try to convert a person's allegiance from Caesar to Christ would be opposed harshly. Yet, they went where God called them to go, and that was exactly what they did. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. I imagine it was very difficult for Paul to go into this difficult area and reach people with the gospel, but he did what God had called him to do. And can I tell you something? We read just a moment ago in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and saying, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to take note of the churches in Macedonia. Friends, may I tell you who he was talking about? He was talking about the church at Philippi. He was talking about the church at Thessalonica. He was talking about these churches here in Macedonia. And this is the title of my message this morning. Would you listen to this title? A, a model church in a mixed up culture. A model church in a mixed-up culture. 
Paul goes into this horrible area, a place that is under Roman rule, but he preaches the gospel and people get saved. And here in this mixed up culture, a model church is planted. Now we're going to do a quick Bible study. I want you to get your Bibles out. If you don't have your Bible, man, I encourage you to look over with your neighbor this morning and go to the book of Philippians. We're going to look very, very quickly this morning, and I'm not going to be much longer, but I want us to look very quickly at a few things that show us what kind of church this model church was. Number one, and I believe this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. I believe first thing we see here is that this was a converted church. Philippians chapter 1. Would you look at it with me? Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 1. The, Paul is writing back to this church that he has established in Macedonia in Philippi. And he says, Paul and Timotheus, Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, the servants of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. To all the saints... To all the saints. The word saints here are those who are called out. The, those who are saved. Uh, those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what he says. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. This was a group of people who were called out from the world. A ecclesia. A called out assembly. Those who were united by their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, these were folks who named the name of Jesus. They didn't just have their name on the roll. But their name was in the Lamb's book of life. Their there was a day in their life when they realized that they were a hell-bound sinner deserving of nothing but judgment of God. But they realized also that there was a Messiah, the Anointed One, the One sent from God to redeem sinful man. And they put their faith in Jesus for salvation. You say, Brother Zach, my name's on the church roll. I've been baptized. Now, listen, friend, it's much more important than that. Are you in Christ Jesus this morning? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's more important this morning. Would you listen to me on January 1st of 2017? Please listen to what I'm about to say. It's more important that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life than your name is on a church roll. It's more important this morning that you are a part of the bride of Christ, a part of the body of Christ, than it is who's buried in the cemetery or who's been, you know, the, the lineage of your family has attended that church, and so that's why you attend. Listen, it's much more important important than that you better know for sure that you're on your way to heaven you better know for sure that jesus christ is your savior this model church was full of people who praise god were converted but number two quickly this was a model church because it was a consecrated church look what he said i've already mentioned it but he said to all the saints verse number one to all the saints that is those who have been set apart for the service of the Lord Jesus. Paul could write to this church and say, Hey, I know you're converted, but I also know you're consecrated. A model church. Let's continue. Verse number 5. This was a cordial church. Look what it says in verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul said, We share a fellowship we serve the Lord together with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And boy, I want to say this morning, what a joy it is to serve the Lord. But what a blessing it is to have others who will stand by your side and serve with you. That's a model church. A church that's banding together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's let, listen, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, let's put all the division aside. Let's be all of the same mind and let's strive together for the, for the sake of the gospel. This was a cordial church. Number four, it was a calling church. Look at verse number 19. Philippians 1, 19. Very quickly. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. Look at this. Through your prayer. 
through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to this model church. Now stay with me. A model church in a mixed up culture. This was a church. We're doing a Bible study this morning. And we're seeing here that this was a church that was converted. A church that was consecrated. A church that was cordial. A church that was calling out to God in prayer. But number five, it was a compliant church. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 12. This is an amazing statement. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. Acts chapter, or Philippians chapter 2, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, look what he says. As ye have, what's the next word? Always obeyed. Did y'all hear that? He didn't say you obeyed some of the time. He didn't say you obeyed 50% of the time. He said, as ye have always obeyed, not as, uh, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul said, you are a compliant church. You're obedient. But then guess what else he said about this church? They were a credible church. Look at chapter 4 and verse number 9. I know you're turning to a lot of places, but we need to see a model church here in a mixed up culture. Chapter 4 and verse number 9. Paul talks to them about being a credible church. Look what he says. Those things which ye have both, look, here it is, learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Paul said that this was a church that had been taught, a church that had been educated in the things of God, a model church in a mixed up culture. Look at verse number 10. This was a caring church. Verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Look what he said. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. You know what this church was right here? This was a model church in a mixed up culture. This is a church family. Did you remember what I said at the beginning? Philippi was a place under Roman rule. A place where the crucified Christians would line the streets. And yet, we look into a, a, a mixed up culture and we see a model church. A church that was cordial and calling and compliant and credible and caring. But you know what else they were? They were a communicating church. Look at verse number 14. 414, notwithstanding ye did well, ye have, uh, he says, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, know ye, uh, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, look at this, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul wrote to this church and he was able to call them a model church. In a mixed up culture. Now I believe it goes without saying this morning. And please bear with me as I say a few more things. That we live today in 2017. In a very mixed up culture. All in favor say amen. Amen. I believe as we take a brief survey. Of our political institution. The government. We see that we are in a mixed up culture. And this is not meant at all to be a political message, but we must admit that our government officials have uh, become engulfed in selfish pride and have basically told God that He is no longer needed. And if we need Him, we will call Him. We see that on vivid display as we watched just a while back as our Supreme Court began legislating uh, in favor of sexual immorality and what God calls an abomination. They made it a legal thing in our country. We see it on display as, listen to this friends, in 2013, 664,435 little babies were aborted in 2013, only in America. We live in a mixed up culture. 
It's amazing to think of how far we've come when we consider that George Washington, our first president of the United States, said this. He said, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Charles Spurgeon didn't say that. D.L. Moody didn't say that. George Washington, our first president of the United States, said those words, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. How far have we come? Proverbs 14.34, the Bible says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Psalm 33.12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. We see a mixed up culture in our political institutions, but may I take it a step further? We see a very mixed up culture in our educational institutions, our schools, our colleges, and our universities. Listen to this. Prior to 1962, every school in the state of North Car- uh, in the state of New York started the day by reciting the following prayer: "Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence on Thee and beg Thy blessing over us, our parents, our teachers, and our nations." Every school in the state of New York re- recited that prayer prior to 1962. But on June the fifth of uh, June the twenty fifth of nineteen sixty two, the United States Supreme Court ruled six to one that prayer in schools was unconstitutional. One year later, in nineteen sixty three, the Supreme Court banned the reading of the Bible and overturned a state law which had previously banned the teaching of evolution. The lawsuit was organized by a a, a woman, a a renowned atheist named Madeline Murray O'Hare. And she was quoted as saying this, Religion has caused more misery to all of mankind in every stage of human history than any other single idea. This is what she said, No God ever gave any man anything, nor ever answered any prayer at any time, nor ever will. Religion is induced insanity. But may I remind you that the Bible says, friends, listen to me this morning. In Psalm 14.1, the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. We see this, um, this breakdown in our culture, not only in our political institution, not only in our educational institutions, but listen closely, we see it in our family institution, the home. I don't have time to read all these statistics, but, but to nearly 50% of marriages end in divorce. I read this statistic as, as I was studying for this, that, that 15% of the women in the United States are or have been divorced, uh, compared with uh, less than 1% in 1920. How far have we come? But not only do we see this mixed up culture in all these other institutions, but may I also say that we see this breakdown in our religious institutions, the church. It seems that we live in a culture where the fleshly trends of the world dictate the direction of the church rather than the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. 
Timothy, Timothy Whitmer said this, the downward trajectory of cultural standards place increasingly greater pressure on the church as it strives to maintain the clear moral imperatives of Scripture. To be honest, in large part, the contemporary church has boldly forsaken the Scriptures to capitulate to the mixed up culture of sinful man. We live in a wicked culture where religious leaders whose job it is to be to protect the flock use their position to prey upon membership through financial and, and other way, other means. Paul Chapel said the progressive America taking shape around us is digressing in almost every way, morally, politically, financially, socially, and spiritually. We long ago untied our beliefs and practices from our early faith and values to say that our nation is speeding down a slippery, uh, he said to say that our nation is speeding down a slippery slope is not an understatement. It would be more accurate to say that we are careening toward a cliff short of the intervention of revival. The future is deeply concerning. And I say all that to ask you this question. Can there be a model church in a mixed up culture? Can there be a model church in a mixed up culture? I believe without a doubt, we saw earlier in the message, we saw a church in the city of Philippi, a city that was full of wicked people, a city that was full of heathen beliefs, a city that was full of God haters. But there were some people who rose to their feet and said, we will not capitulate to the rest of the culture, but we will stand up and we will be a model church in a mixed up culture. You know what we're doing too much in our, in our churches? We're looking around and saying, oh my soul, how dark it is out there. Look how bad the world is. Look how dark the world is. Friends, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Let's rise up as the army of God. Let's stand tall on our feet and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. Hey, this is Mission Sunday. Let's join together. Let's band together as a mighty army of Jesus Christ and say, hey, we are the soldiers of Jesus Christ. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner he must not suffer loss carry the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth sure uh, things are changing sure we have wicked leaders uh, many times but I'm telling you that does not change the fact that we have a powerful God we have a powerful message and God can change this community if we would have a model church in a mixed up culture it starts with you this morning we are the church of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2 and we'll close here. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Paul's writing to a church in the midst of a mixed up culture. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12. Look what he says to this church. Folks, I want you to get a hold of this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Look what He tells this church. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. What are the next three words? In the midst. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. How many would agree we, li- we live in a crooked and perverse nation? Paul wrote to these people and said, you don't have to blend in. But look what he says. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 
I don't know why God wanted me to bring this message. But I wish, and it's my prayer to God this morning, that a band of believers at Solid Rock Baptist Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina, would say, you know what, it's true. There's a mixed up culture all around us. But we're going to stand up and we're going to be a model church in the midst of a mixed up culture. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, and I close with this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I tell you what, 2017 might seem dark from a cultural perspective, but it looks mighty bright from a Christian perspective. Let's stand up and be lights in this dark world. Let's bow our heads this morning. A model church.